Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay, 1 Peter chapter 2, and here's what it says. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Now, why would you be telling believers to do that? See, there's a presumption that if you're born again, you don't have any of that in your heart. You don't have any of that in your life. Well, he's saying, yeah, you do. You have to lay it aside. See, our spirits are born again, as he said in the first chapter, by incorruptible seed, not corruptible seed, by the word of God. And yet, though your spirit gets changed into a new person, your mind isn't instantly changed, your emotions aren't instantly changed, your will isn't instantly changed, your flesh is certainly not instantly changed. And so he's saying, look, you, the born-again person, you have to make a decision to lay aside these things, malice, the, the anger, the wrath, the deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Oh, evil things will come out of our mouths. Criticism, dissension, disunity, pride. These things just will ooze out of our mouths because they're found in our hearts still. We have to get our hearts cleaned up. So he says here in verse 2, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word. He's not talking about being a baby in age, but he's talking about in spiritual maturity as newborn babes. So it seems like many of them have recently come to the Lord. As newborn babes desire, listen, the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. We talk a lot about the difference between the meat of the word and the milk of the word. But notice Peter says, oh, if you can just get the milk like a baby gets milk from his mother's breast. If you can just get milk, you'll grow. The milk of God's word will grow you up. So it says, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. There's something about knowing the grace and love of God that helps you to open up to receive all the truths, sometimes difficult truths. It's like somebody said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I think that's also true with God. When they realize how much God loves them, Oh, then they open up and want to receive the truth from the Lord. Verse 4, coming to him as to a living stone, as to a living stone. Jesus is a living stone in this house of God, and we are also living stones. So he says, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So really, he's talking about the the temple experience, but he's saying, un, unlike the temple in Jerusalem, you, the body of Christ, you, the church, you believers, the bride of Christ, you are each living stones, and Jesus is the chief cornerstone. 
He is the original living stone that was raised from the dead, and now we've been raised from the dead, and we're being built together into this body, into this spiritual house where sacrifices praise, not animal sacrifices, but the sacrifices of worship and thanksgiving and praise and uh, everything, the tithe and the offering, all those things come to the Lord in this spiritual house honoring God. And we're part of the building of this. That's where living stones, he says, together. These metaphors are powerful. They're not just somebody you know, conjuring them in their own minds. The Holy Spirit is breathing these metaphors so that we know they're precise and they're accurate. So it goes on to say, we're being made into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. See, now we're not just one of the 11 tribes and or 12, and then here's the Levites over here and the priesthood. No, we're all a holy priesthood to God. We all have become, in the Lord, priests unto God. In other words, we don't have to wait for some other priest to take our sacrifice from us. We can come directly by the blood of Jesus into the throne of God. Thank God. So he says, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. We get to offer them directly now instead of just through a priest. Through Jesus Christ. So notice, we do have the high priest, Jesus Christ. And so we as priests, we come to the high priest, and the high priest helps us to offer these to God. Verse 6, therefore it is also contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. And so Jesus is that elect, precious, chief cornerstone. He's the the primary living stone in this new spiritual house. Verse 7, Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And, and of course, these are quotes. You can tell by the italics, uh, them being italicized and also they're indented and such. And it says, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. So notice, not only is Jesus prophesied to be and did become the stone which the builders rejected, the Jews rejected him, but also he is a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense because this truth that he brings that we now know is, as the gospel of Jesus Christ is a stumbling block. It, it makes people think, oh, that can't be true. You can't just be saved by believing in somebody that died. And, and uh, of course, nowadays, how do we even know he existed? Who said he was raised from the dead? See, this the simplicity of the story, the message, the truth of Jesus dying on the cross and being raised from the dead, it offends people. People today are calling for evidence. Prove it to me. And by the way, there is overwhelming evidence in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You'd be surprised. It's something you should research and look into. So it goes on to say, they stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. So they were appointed to this word, to this message, but it says they stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. But you, you, those who I'm writing to, you are not like them. You have not rejected that word, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Think about this, a chosen generation. 
you are part of a chosen generation. Well, you know, if you just look at the first century of the book of Acts, this whole people group that believed on the Lord, they were the first fruit, so to speak, of the rest of us throughout the centuries, these now about 2,000 years. A chosen generation, well, guess what? There's going to be another chosen generation who will see the coming of Jesus at the end. And that very well may be us. And so a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, certainly this applies generally to every believer who has ever lived and ever will live. A chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. What nation? We're the nation of the Lord. <laughs> we're the people of God. We're, he is our king and we're part of his kingdom. goes on to say, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I just love that. His marvelous light, not just light. The light that comes from God, the light of his word, oh, the more you soak in that light, the more you realize how revealing this light is. You know, there are certain things like, there are certain things you could draw with a certain pen, and you cannot see it under normal light, but when you put a black light there, it pops out. There are certain things about life, about us, about the way things are, about the way creation has happened, that until you get under the light of God's word, which is a very bright light that reveals and exposes new evidence and such, you don't realize, <laughs> you don't realize, you become ignorant. Uh, you, you, you just can't get past that ignorance, even if you have 10 PhDs and you think you're so educated. If you don't have the certain light from the Creator who can bring new evidence that you would never know existed, then you really can't put the puzzle pieces together. It won't make sense. And so thank God for the light of God's word. So he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Thank God. We had, we were in darkness. We did not have the mercy of God, did not have salvation. But now, thank God, having received the gospel and made Jesus Lord, now we've obtained mercy. Verse 11, beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Notice again, Peter is advocating for the fact that we need to walk in holiness before the Lord. Abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God to the day of visitation. So he's saying, if you will resist these fleshly lusts and walk in the word of God and be obedient and such, he said, those who are on the outside will see your conduct and your lifestyle and your conduct will help them to get it. It will help them to understand and it will cause them and influence them to bring glory to God because who would, who, who else could change somebody to be like this but God? 
Verse 13, therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to the governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. So notice here that like with Paul and others in the New Testament, there's not an encouragement here to ignore the laws of the land, you, you know, your prime minister, your president, your governor, governors and such, and saying, oh, no, Jesus is king. You don't have to listen to those authorities. Listen to Jesus. No, that's not the way the kingdom works. If you're under a certain province or state or nation, then unless they are calling and requiring you not to serve the Lord, not to bow down to God, but to bow down to some other allegiance or to do something that is uh, outright sinful and such. He's saying, no, you need to obey the laws of the land. You need to submit to the authorities and such. And this is, this is the biblical way. We are not among those who make it difficult on our leaders. And the only time we would need to rebel and exercise something of civil disobedience would be if they're requiring us to deny our allegiance to Father God and the Lord Jesus Christ. As long as we're able to worship God and serve Him, worship Him, uh, bow down to Him instead of any other allegiance, then we should continue to flow with society and be peaceable. And like uh, Paul said in 1 Timothy 2, to live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. See, and so Peter's saying the same thing. And you notice these guys were not big protesters against the Roman government and all that. They stayed on their game. They stayed focused on getting people born again through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 15, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice or something to bind you, but as bondservants of God. So he's saying, this is the will of God to do it this way, and that there are some who are ignorant and foolish, uh, who even in the body of Christ who will try to get you to become over-political. Now, we all need to be concerned about certain political things and vote and pray and all of that, advocate for righteousness and such. However, we can step out of our callings and uh, think that everybody needs to go and uh, be a part of political protests and all of that. And that is not what Peter's advocating for. He's saying, look, let's, let's do good. Let's generally stay within the law, honor our leaders and such. And let's believe that it's the gospel that's going to change the world, not political leadership and such. So notice he goes on to say in verse 17, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God. And notice this, honor the king, honor all people. Love the brotherhood, that's the family of God, fear God, and honor the king. That would mean your governmental leaders, whether they know the Lord or not. But this is just the way that God teaches us in the body of Christ. We're people of peace. We're not people that are causing problems. Verse 18, servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable. For if, if because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully, 
For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? So he's saying, look, if if you're persecuted for righteousness sake, that's one thing. But if you're beaten or you're punished for things that you did wrong, what is that? That's not the persecution for righteousness sake that the Bible talks about. So he goes on to say, but when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. So if you're being persecuted for doing good, well, that's commendable before God. But if you're doing wrong and you're being uh, outspoken in an angry way and you're causing grief on yourself, well, that's not persecution for righteousness sake. That's because you're causing issues and problems unnecessarily. So he goes on to say, now by the way, let me just stop and say, there is a time where we stand up for certain rights. There is a time to go out and and stand for for life, stand for truth, stand for righteousness. That's true. But even the way that we do it will be different than many people in the world. And Peter's addressing these things. Verse 21, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Remember, Peter walked with him three years. If Jesus was a sinner like us, Peter would have seen it in three years. So he said, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. Notice, he's saying, let the Lord Jesus be the example to you. Peter watched Jesus. Now you say, well, wait a minute, he cleansed the temple. I mean, he made a whip. And he would say, brood of vipers, you know, offspring of snakes to the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders and such. And we, we could get the idea that Jesus was just popping off as well. But Peter said, no, 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 no. He was teaching and he was confronting some things in righteousness. But it said, but when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. He's saying, be like Jesus. Don't be one who retaliates, defends yourself and such. Jesus did not do that. Verse 24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. That is a powerful verse. I've quoted this verse many times. Listen again. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. The punishment that God put on the wrath of God against the sin of humanity, past, present, and future, came down on one person at one point in time while he was hanging on the cross. It says, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sin, see, when he died, we died to sins that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. (laughs) So when Jesus took stripes, he took those stripes for our healing. So since he's already paid for them, we should say our sicknesses are already paid for. The healing from our diseases and illnesses is already paid for. By his stripes, you were healed. Isn't that powerful? And so, of course, some of these people may have actually received physical healing, but others of us will receive it. But we have to understand that it's already been paid for in the past tense. So in 
essence in the heart and mind of God, it's a done deal. We've already been healed. Just like before you accept the gospel in the heart of God, everybody has died for their sins. In fact, you can find this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where he said, he said, we judge things this way. If one person died for all, then all died. So God is no longer keeping people out of heaven because of sin. He's keeping them out of heaven because they haven't received the gift of God that has paid for their sins because they're all paid for. But having not received Jesus and that forgiveness through Jesus, then they can't come in. But sin is not the problem. It's the lack of receiving and believing the gospel of Jesus Christ and being for, receiving the forgiveness that's already been paid for. That's the problem. That's what's keeping people out of heaven. So by his stripes, you were healed for you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Another beautiful chapter. I look forward to chapter three tomorrow. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com slash give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.